Hi there, welcome back to the Gabinator Show. And we are on the quest of learning about when is Trump going to jail? Week of Donald Trump's life. Donald Trump has to try to find a way to sleep. This is uh, breaking news. MSNBC, last word. Garland v. Trump. Knowing how very badly he misjudged Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh -huh. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Merrick Garland has handled the most important week of his life flawlessly. And in the process, yeah, Merrick Garland job, has outsmarted Donald Trump at every turn. Merrick Garland did everything he possibly could to protect Donald Trump's privacy when he ordered the execution of a search warrant at Donald Trump's home on Monday. All FBI agents had to be in plain clothes. They had to arrive and leave during normal business hours. They had to do their jobs in a way that would escape media attention. Then Donald Trump decided, for some reason, that it was in his interest to make public the FBI search of his home, and that's how we found out about it. Republican outrage led immediately by Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy was extreme even for them and Merrick Garland stayed silent and allowed the Republican outraged to build. Merrick Garland stayed silent for two days as the two most important newspapers in the country, the New York Times and the Washington Post, got the dynamics of the story completely wrong by reporting that the pressure was now somehow on Merrick Garland. The political news media fell completely for the invented notion by Trump sycophants that the FBI search of his home was somehow going to be politically helpful to Donald Trump. Merrick Garland stayed silent through all of that, and in his silence, Merrick Garland got the leaders of the Republican Party to demand that Merrick Garland do what he did today. Merrick Garland, in effect, tricked Republicans into demanding to see the search warrant. <laughs> During Merrick Garland's silent period, he got Republican Senator Mitch McConnell to say, the country deserves a thorough and immediate explanation of what led to the events of Monday. Attorney General Garland and the Department of Justice should already have provided answers to the American people and must do so immediately. Lindsey Graham said, there's a tremendous burden on the Department of Justice, in my view, to explain their actions, and I hope they will. Senator Rafael Cruz said, release the warrant now. The American <laughs> people deserve to see it now. Senator Cruz addressed that demand to Merrick Garland, not Donald Trump, who we learned today from Merrick Garland, has a copy of the warrant, as well as a written inventory of what the FBI seized at his home. Merrick Garland stayed silent while Republicans demanded that Merrick Garland release information that Donald Trump himself possessed and could release, but was refusing to release. Senator Chuck Grassley said, Attorney General Garland also owes the American people full transparency. Senator Ron Johnson insisted that Merrick Garland, quote, provide a full explanation for the raid at the former president's residence. Republican Senator John Thune said the FBI needs to provide answers as to why they raided the home of a former American president. Senator Joshua Hawley said the search warrant must be published. Mike Pompeo said the Attorney General must explain why 250 years of practice was upended with this raid. Former Vice President Mike Pence said Attorney General Garland must give a full accounting to the American people as to why this action was taken, and he must do so immediately. And Senator Kevin Kramer, 
along with former Trump White House staffer Larry Kudlow, gave voice to the Republican cry of the heart this way. Show us the subpoena. Mm. Crying out loud, it's not like this happens every day. This, does, you know, this requires further explanation, or else we're left to presume the worst. Well, show us the warrant. I mean, no one can see the warrant. Well, Larry, you can see the warrant now. Maybe as early as tomorrow afternoon. Because today, Merrick Garland stepped up to a microphone at the Justice Department and delivered a four-minute statement without taking any questions, and he gave the Republicans exactly what they were demanding. Mm -hmm. Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was a premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. Is that it? Come on, man. There was exactly one prominent Republican the most prominent Republican who did not demand that Merrick Garland show the search warrant, that was Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't want you to see the search warrant. <laughs> we learned today from the Attorney General that Donald Trump has a copy of the search warrant himself, in addition to a copy of the inventory that the FBI took from his home. And Donald Trump is not showing that to us because he does not want us to see it. He doesn't want anyone to see it. <laughs> the Republican senators who were tricked into demanding that Merrick Garland release the search warrant, huh. all rose in a standing ovation for Merrick Garland, led by Senator Rafael Cruz, and thanked him for doing exactly what they demanded that he do. Uh. <laughs> nah, that's not them. Of course they didn't do that, because none of those Republican senators, not one of them, meant a single word that they said about the search warrant. The magistrate judge in the case gave Donald Trump 24 hours to make up his mind about whether he wants to oppose the motion to release the search warrant. Donald Trump's lawyers have until 3 p.m. tomorrow to tell the Justice Department whether Donald Trump opposes release of the search warrant. The judge might then allow Trump lawyers additional time to write a brief opposing release of the search warrant. Donald Trump is a terrible judge of people, just terrible. He hires the very worst people while claiming and sometimes believing that he hires the best people. You Donald Trump relies it. almost entirely on physical appearance in judging people. And so prior to today, when he looked at Merrick Garland, he saw humility, which Donald Trump interprets as weakness. He saw politeness, which Donald Trump interprets as weakness. He saw patience, caution, and a scholarly, downright professorial style, all of which Is Donald there? Trump interprets as weakness. Donald Trump discovered today that he has finally met the prosecutor who he cannot play games with. Donald Trump discovered today that he is finally up against the prosecutor who is tougher and sharper and more decisive and confident than Hell any yeah. of the prosecutors Donald Trump has had to contend with in any way. The proof of how 
desperately terrified Donald Trump is of Merrick Garland. Tonight is Donald Trump's silence about Merrick Garland. <laughs> Donald Trump issued a written statement after Merrick Garland spoke today, but it was a rehash of the stuff that he has already said, something the staff could have put together using lines he's already used this week. I'm going to read it now in its entirety just to demonstrate that it is Donald Trump's version of being speechless. This is his version of silence because these words were all used in previous statements this week. He actually put out a statement tonight simply saying, my attorneys and representatives were cooperating fully and very good relationships have been established. The government could have had whatever they wanted if we had it. They asked us to put an additional lock on a certain area done. Everything was fine, better than that of most previous presidents. And then out of nowhere and with no warning, Mar Largo was raided at 6.30 in the morning by very large numbers of agents and even safe crackers. They got away, they got away ahead of themselves, crazy exclamation point. That's it. That's it. That's his version of complete and utter silence. And he dares not speak the name Merrick Garland tonight. Good. Not Fuck a him. single sentence in there was new. Because Donald Trump has no idea now what to say with <laughs> Merrick Garland closing in on him. Haha. <laughs> Suck up. Light him up. I'm on the fucking electric chair. Of the worst legal. Trump is going to jail. Trump is going to jail. Yes. Vote blue breaking news. Let's see what other groovy stuff they got. Trump is Trump caught sending apparent threat to Attorney General after Mar a Lago search. Yay. Including the men and women of the FBI, uh, as with any law enforcement agency, are, are deplorable and dangerous. We have, in this country, had over the last few years. Lock law enforcement. Ray was appointed. to the search of Trump's home. The FBI and DHS also issuing a very grave joint warning of a spike in threats to law enforcement, including from Trump supporters who were seen carrying pistols and assault-type rifles at an Arizona FBI office while that armed man wearing body armor was trying to breach the FBI's Cincinnati field office for an apparent attack Thursday. Authorities in Ohio in a standoff with a man they say tried to break into the FBI's Cincinnati office. A man armed with an AR-15 style rifle tried to breach an FBI office today. And now we're learning he had been at the Capitol on January 6th. Today, an armed man in Ohio allegedly attempted to breach an FBI field office, leading to a shootout where the suspect was killed. See, the FBI should have done a better job the in FBI locking these fuckers up.
is fortifying security at its headquarters in all field offices. Our cameras caught some of those preparations as this has gone forward. So this is a time for a sober reality check for the nation. Donald Court-supervised use of legal steps to protect national security is being met with open and new threats of violence against the FBI, against police, against judges. As domestic political terrorism has increased over the last two decades, there are about 2,700 open cases now. Then we have something that is rife in our public debate. You have people who refer to this criminal violence as a potential reason to surrender to appease these people, to hand some sort of veto over possible searches or indictments to the would-be thugs and criminals threatening or acting on armed rebellion. You don't need to be a history buff to know how appeasement fails. And then you might ask, what's next? Donald Trump invoking his vigilante army as an active threat against the government he once led? Well, that's what he just did, albeit in secret, according to a bombshell. It's also improper for a subject to try to make these contacts to the top of the AG, the Attorney General of the United States, even if the subject in this case is the former president, let alone issue these kind of threats. The report says Trump was suggesting he basically has leverage but could somehow reduce the threats, or by implication, not reduce them. The New York Times reporting the substance of Trump's message was, quote, the country is on fire. What can I do to reduce the heat? The idea there is that he's in control of the heat. He alone. A kind of creepy, threatening message for the Attorney General is how Washington Post Jennifer Rubin put it. Trump then rushed to sort of launder this move in public, telling a Fox News or online reporter that he's out now to publicly do whatever he can to help the country. The temperature has to be brought down. You know that move if you follow the news. Donald Trump gets busted trying to do something in secret, so he rushes out in public, and then later people say, hey, he said it in public, how bad can it be? And the answer legally is, very bad. This is not subtle. And no one thinks of Donald Trump as someone who brings down the temperature. That's not his thing. His most loyal supporters don't think that about him. None of this even claims to treat the probe as valid where evidence and facts determine the legal steps. Someone treating the probe as valid could have their lawyer call the AG to say, or the DOJ to say, we really are innocent. We want to cooperate. We think the facts will show that. Trump views this as an amoral battle of power, where his threats and leverage can be wielded. And in that sense, 
In Trump's mind, maybe he does see Garland as more scary, as a more intimidating adversary than he realized. So this is Trump's version of a rare, potentially conciliatory gesture in his mind. But it's wrong. Federal investigations are not some deal. They're not a battle between the subject and the prosecutor. And they certainly are never supposed to be subject to threats of violence. If they were, no gangster would ever be held accountable, and this would be an even more dangerous nation to live in. This is ugly stuff. And there are people who'd rather look away and hope it just goes away. And they'd rather do that than confront the fact that our nation's most recent president is threatening a violent rebellion. But then again, wake up, America. He already did that once in po- And you haven't been paying attention. And I promise you, this is a time to pay attention to the threats and the evidence and to face them down whatever way you can in your life and role as a citizen and to soberly back the rule of law, period. This is who we are, Peacock. If you follow the news, Donald Trump. And then you might ask, what's next? Donald Trump invoking his vigilante army as an active threat against the government he once led? Yeah. Authorities in Ohio in a standoff with a man they say tried to break into the FBI's Cincinnati office. A man armed with an AR-15 style rifle tried to breach an FBI office today. And now we're learning... He had been at the Capitol on January 6th. Today, an armed man in Ohio. and as a reality, practiced. Now Trump's out of power, and this court-supervised use of legal steps to protect national security is being met with open and new threats. Domestic political terrorism has increased over the last two decades. There are about 2,700 open cases now. Then we have something that is rife in our public debate. You have people who refer to this criminal violence as a potential reason to surrender, to appease these people. No way. They're fucking negotiating with terrorists. Possible searches or indictments to the would-be thugs and criminals threatening or acting on armed rebellion. You don't need to be a history buff to know how appeasement fails. And then you might ask, what's next? Donald Trump invoking his vigilante army as an active threat against the government he once led? Throw them all in well, fucking jail. Did, albeit in secret, according to a bombshell report in the New York Times. 
that Trump sent an ally who had apparently high-level access to the DOJ to pass along a message. Trump wanted Garland to know that he had been checking in with people around the country and found them to be enraged by the search. Well, the FBI is issuing warnings and bulletins about these people, these Trump fans enraged by the search, who are threatening violence and illegal retribution. So this is not exactly a news bulletin over at the FBI and DOJ. Let me be clear. Legally, this is outrageous. Donald Trump, the subject of a search, invoking those enraged people in what sounds like a threat. It's also improper for a subject to try to make these contacts to the top of the AG, the Attorney General of the United States, even if the subject in this case is the former president, let alone issue these kind of threats. The report says Trump was suggesting he basically has leverage but could somehow reduce the threats. Or by implication, not reduce them. The New York Times reporting the substance of Trump's message was, quote, the country is on fire. What can I do to reduce the heat? The idea there is that he's in control of the heat. He alone. A kind of creepy, threatening message for the attorney general, is how Washington Post Jennifer Rubin put it. Trump then rushed to sort of launder this move in public, telling a Fox News or online reporter that he's out now to publicly do whatever he can to help the country. The temperature has to be brought down. You know that move if you follow the news. Donald Trump gets busted trying to do something in secret, so he rushes out in public, and then later people say, hey, he said it in public, how bad can it be? And the answer legally is very bad. (laughs) This is not subtle. (laughs) No one thinks of Donald Trump as someone who brings down the temperature. That's (laughs) not his thing. He's a fucking anarchist. Well, that's what he just did. Albeit in secret, according to a bombshell report in the New York Times, that Trump sent an ally who had apparently high-level access to the DOJ to pass along a message. Trump wanted Garland to know that he had been checking in with people around the country and found them to be enraged by the search. Well, the FBI is issuing warnings and bulletins about these people, these Trump fans enraged by the search, who are threatening violence and illegal retribution. So this is not exactly a news bulletin over at the FBI and DOJ. Let me be clear. Legally, this is outrageous. Donald Trump, the subject of a search, invoking those enraged people in what sounds like a threat. It's also improper for a subject to try to make these contacts to the top of the AG, the Attorney General of the United States, even if the subject in this case is the former president, let alone issue these kind of threats. The report says Trump was suggesting he basically has leverage but could somehow reduce the threats. Or by implication, not reduce them. The New York Times reporting the substance of Trump's message was, quote, the country is on fire. What can I do to reduce the heat? The idea there is that he's in control of the heat. He alone. A kind of creepy, threatening message for the attorney general is how Washington Post Jennifer Rubin put it. Trump then rushed to sort of launder this move in public, telling a Fox News or online reporter that he's out now to publicly do whatever he can to help the country. The temperature has to be brought down. Mm-hmm. You know that move if you follow the news. Donald Trump gets busted trying to do something in secret, so he rushes out in public, and then later people say, hey, he said it in public, how bad can it be? And the answer legally is very bad. This is not subtle. And no one thinks of Donald Trump as someone who 
brings down the temperature. That's not his thing. His most loyal supporters don't think that about him. None of this even claims to treat the probe they as valid, it. where evidence and facts they determine the legal steps. He, he tries Someone to treating the probe as valid the could government. have their lawyer call the AG to say, or the DOJ to say, we really are innocent, we want to cooperate, we think the facts will show that. Trump views this as an amoral battle of power, where his threats and leverage can be wielded. And in that sense, in Trump's mind, maybe he does see Garland as more scary, as a more intimidating adversary than he realized. So this is Trump's version of a rare, potentially conciliatory gesture in his mind. But it's wrong. Federal investigations are not some deal. They're not a battle between the subject and the prosecutor. And they certainly are never supposed to be subject to threats of violence. If they were, no gangster would ever be held accountable, and this would be an even more dangerous nation to live in. This is ugly stuff. And there are people who'd rather look away and hope it just goes away. And they'd rather do that than confront the fact that our nation's most recent president is threatening a violent rebellion. But then again, wake up, America. Yeah. He already did that once in public in 2021 just to try to keep a job he liked. If anyone is surprised he's doing it in 2022 to keep his potential liberty, then you haven't been paying attention. And I promise you, this is a time to pay attention to the threats and the evidence and to face them down in whatever way you can in your life and role as a citizen. And to soberly back the rule of law, period. split merges in response over the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago more senior and serious voices in the party follow facts the FBI is simply carrying out their responsibilities under the law a lawful search warrant uh, that uh, a magistrate has signed off on and uh, they didn't go in there with FBI raid jackets uh, they tried to constrain uh, their behavior carrying out that warrant so Let's be, uh, let's support law enforcement. Let's stand with them. But voices like Governor Hutchinson are often loudly drowned out by those who hope to tap the anti-establishment zeal of the Trump base. They're enforcing the law based on who they like and who they don't like. That is not a republic. Well, maybe it's a banana republic when that happens. With me to share their reporting and their insights, CNN's Niamlika Henderson, Sungmin Kim of the Associated Press. Heather Cagle of Punchbowl News. It is fascinating. You did see over the weekend, especially more senior, experienced voices in the Republican Party after they saw, oh, 11, batch, 11 classified documents says they backed off a little bit and said, let's let this play out. But you have the, the voices who just want Donald Trump can do no wrong. That's right. And Donald Trump whipping them up from, you know, sort of run-of-the-mill folks uh, who might be incited to violence against the FBI to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying defund the police. And then people just uh, wanting to be on Trump's side on this. Lots of people haven't quite figured out how Star to do what uh, there did, who notably isn't running uh, for re-election and has a, a bit of freedom there uh, to critique this president uh, and, and to, 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 to serve the FBI. I mean, God forbid, people believe that now 
Hey, baby girl. Republicans have long prided themselves on being the party of law and order. They have in recent years tried to use the progressives, a small number, but vocal progressives to say defund the police. Republicans have tried to take advantage of that, but now CNN. they find themselves attacking the FBI uh, and, and a judge in the judicial system. You mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here's her tweet. Defund the FBI. Uh, there uh -huh. it is right there. A Trump supporter, big Trump supporter in the House, defund the FBI, to which one of her colleagues, uh, Dan Crenshaw, uh, it's a sarcasm. Uh, I'm impressed. Democrats finally got us to say defund the FBI. That makes you look unserious when you start looking like that, talking like that. The last part is not sarcasm. You fucking uh, traitor. You know, this is she asked for a you pardon. Just keep your powder driver. Don't forget, she was one of the people who asked for a pardon. Yeah, you had Mitch McConnell last week. Who Why the fuck is she still in Congress? A uh, very short statement to say, you know, just telling the Justice Department to release the information that is that is out there. Then you have the other wing of the party, that is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And that party is the one that's getting all the oxygen. And that's the party that Donald Trump is using right now. Because we know, even before the FBI search, we know that if... Trump was, if and when, you know, Trump announces his uh, 2024 campaign, it was going to be fueled largely on a campaign of revenge, a campaign of grievance, and this just adds to that. I mean, we're looking at, for example, the rally in Arizona last night where Republican Trump allies were campaigning for the elections ahead of November. There was so much energy in that room fueled by the FBI search. So this is something that Trump, Trump's allies are really going to just kind of, you know, seize on this November. Well, I, I, that's, a, that's a key point in the sense that you talk about these rallies they have. And we lived through this throughout the Trump years oh, because he believed you're in a crowd, you know, 8,000, 10,000, maybe 20,000 people in an arena, that that's America. Uh, it's a good crowd, but it's not necessarily America. It's your crowd in the room. And so for that same period of time, since he came down the escalator, we we're trying to figure out well, where's the sweet spot for Republicans. Uh, listen here. Uh, this is Mike Turner. If the Republicans take the House, he would be the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, an incredibly sensitive position. He's the ranking member right now, an incredibly sensitive position. Listen here where he tries to thread the needle. Do you take home documents marked special access? No. And yet you're casting down. And you know, quite frankly, you know, I've, been, I, I've been Sorry, in the Oval Office uh, with the president. I, I'd be very surprised if he has actual documents that rise to the level of immediate national security threat. At the beginning there, an acknowledgement that, you know, if, if in fact that the FBI filed an inventory with a court saying they took 11 cents of classified records from Mar-a-Lago, uh, at the beginning, a serious answer, no. They, they don't belong. They don't belong there. That's what he's saying. They should never have left the custody of a secure location in the United States government. But then he tries to somehow, you know, balance it out. And there was a long pause before that no, as he kind of thought about, you know, how do I answer this? And the interesting thing is Mike Turner is not really a bomb thrower. I mean, he's kind of a straightforward Republican. And I watched that whole interview yesterday. It was very painful to watch. I mean, just how he tried to answer the questions. And I think what we're seeing is, as Sung Min said, this wing of the party has really taken over, especially in the House, where they're poised to probably win back the House. And there's not a lot of space for these common sense, straightforward Republicans like Mike Turner or Brian Fitzpatrick or some of the others who would rather, you know, tell it like it is, but feel like they can't because they don't want to invoke Trump's ire. CNN's Caitlin Polance live in Washington. Caitlin, what more are you learning about this new request from top senators? 
Well, Kate, over the weekend and then today, we have seen a lot of bipartisan calls for transparency around this search, even after we got that search warrant on Friday. So over the weekend, we had two House committee chairs, so both Democrats, asking for a classified briefing from the intelligence community, community, as well as a damage assessment being done by the director of national intelligence. And then this morning, uh, our colleague Daniela Diaz on the Hill, she received word that Senators Mark Warner, who's a Democrat, uh, and the chair of the Senate intelligence community or committee, uh, and then Marco Rubio, who is the top Republican on that same committee, they sent a private letter to that director <laughs> of national intelligence, Avril Haines. Uh, as well as Attorney General Merrick Garland asking for more information about what happened here, what was taken out of Mar-a-Lago. So Rubio said in a statement uh, to CNN, we haven't seen the letter itself, but he said, in his remarks, Attorney General Garland claimed there was a substantial public interest in the execution of an unprecedented search warrant on President Trump. As such, the Intelligence Committee has asked the Department of Justice to share with us, on a classified basis, the specific intelligence documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. There's other transparency efforts that are happening. Mar-a-Lago. We're waiting to see if there will be a resolution. News organizations are asking for access to the affidavit uh, in court that would support, uh, be the narrative supporting that search. But we may never know what is actually in these documents. Donald Trump says he declassified them, but there's no evidence that he actually did that. Kaylin, thank you so much for laying it out for, for us like that. Joining me right now for more on this is CNN senior legal analyst Ellie Honig, a former federal prosecutor. So, Ellie, what do you see in the unsealed documents about the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago? What sticks out to you in this moment? Well, Kate, still so many unanswered questions, but we do know a lot more now that we've seen these documents. The most important thing I think we've learned about the search itself is what exactly did the FBI find inside Mar-a-Lago and seize? Now, we've seen this new document now called the Receipt for Property document the FBI fills out at the scene of the search and over to the lawyer. This document lists about 33 separate headings and subheadings of item seized. About 20 of them are documents. Now, a lot of them just say generally box, box labeled A1, box of documents. But the most important thing, some of these entries indicate that the information was not just classified, but TSSCI. What does that mean? That is the highest level of classification in our government. Top secret, sensitive, compartmented information. We know the FBI found documents with those markings inside Mar-a-Lago. The other thing that's really important here is we know for sure that Donald Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob, was present at the search, was given this receipt, and signed for it at 6.19 p.m. on the day of the search. And also, Elliot, with this, you also learn more about the potential criminal charges of the crimes that the Justice Department is concerned about in all of this. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, Kate, so anytime prosecutors execute a search warrant, you have to write out and show a judge that you have what we call probable cause that certain federal crimes were committed. Important to know, probable cause is a lot less than proof beyond a reasonable doubt, which you need in order to charge and convict somebody. Also, it does not specify any person, Donald Trump or anyone else, just says, we believe that these crimes were committed. Three crimes specified by DOJ. One, mishandling of defense information under the Espionage Act. This Espionage Act has drawn a lot of attention, but all the crime here really means is to conceal or mishandle or destroy information that could be harmful to the national security. The second one is destruction or concealment of government documents, whether classified or not. And then finally, obstruction. That just means removing or destroying documents because they want to keep them out of the hands of some sort of investigators. Important to note, Kate, none of these rely on whether the documents are classified or were declassified. If they're classified and declassified, also important, both of these things are true at the same time, though, as you're, as you're yes. pointing out. 
What happens next legally? What more so in terms of the formal legal process, nothing will happen. Not hear a lot more through the formal legal channels for many weeks or months. DeSantis profited from the. You know what that means? I call it big DeSantis energy. He's got the Search same kind of BDE that President Trump has. Well, if you don't know what BD actually stands for, feel free to Google it. That was Trump-backed Arizona candidate for Governor Kerry Lake energizing MAGA Republicans in their first big rally since the FBI search on former President Trump's Florida home as she and headline. You know what that means? I call it big DeSantis energy. He's got the same kind of BDE that President Trump has. Yeah. Well, if Gross. you don't know what BD actually stands for, feel free to Google it. That was Trump-backed Arizona candidate for Governor Kerry Lake energizing MAGA Republicans in their first big He's rally. got a mushroom dick. What are you talking about? Florida home as she and headliner Florida Governor. Ha ha. Ron DeSantis are aiming to... Death sentence. You mean death sentence. Young Law talks with Republicans in Arizona now to find out if the Trump wings rambunctious language will sway or alienate voters. East meets West in a show of a united Republican front. The headliner of this Arizona rally, Florida governor and possible 2024 hopeful Ron DeSantis. From the beaches of Florida to the deserts of Arizona, November 8, 2022 is going to be the day that America fights back. To energize this Phoenix crowd, DeSantis turned his political fire to the news in his state. The FBI search of Donald Heavy on grievance, light on facts. And then these people sent politically motivated federal agents to President Donald Trump's home and raided it. How dare they? This is the first large political rally since the Mar-a-Lago search. How much is that affecting Republicans who are going to be voting this year in the midterms? Well, I hope it's a lot. I hope it ignites people, gets them out there, and they want to help support the Republican ticket. After what happened on Monday, we have to show our support for the president, the real president anyway. Here in Arizona, where Trump's 2020 election lies, all thrives in a big swath of the GOP. His endorsed candidate swept in the state's primary. Carrie uh. Lake defeated a Republican backed by former Vice President Mike Pence and the establishment. The Republican Party. Say that America fights back. To energize this Phoenix crowd, DeSantis turned his political fire to the news in his state. The FBI search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. They're enforcing the law based on who they like and who they don't like. Bullshit. That is not a republic. Well, maybe it's a banana republic when that happens. Echoed by Republican nominee for Arizona Governor Carrie Lake, heavy on grievance, light on facts. 
And then these people sent politically motivated federal agents to President Donald Trump's home and raided it. How dare they? This is the first large political rally since the Mar-a-Lago search. How much is that affecting Republicans who are going to be voting this year in the midterms? Well, I hope it's a lot. I hope it ignites people and gets them out there and they want to help support the Republican ticket. After what happened on Monday, we have to show our support for the president, the real president anyway. Here in Arizona, where Trump's 2020 still thrives in a big swath of the GOP, his endorsed candidate swept in the state's primary. Carrie <laughs> Lake defeated a Republican backed by former Vice President Mike Pence and the establishment. The Republican Party isn't your great-great-grandfather's party anymore. U.S. Senate candidate Blake Masters is also Trump-endorsed. It will be Arizona first and America first all the way. The proof is in the primary, say voters in this crowd, that the more centrist Arizona Republican Party of John McCain is gone. We feel McCain is a total traitor. I believe he was a rhino. In this theater, party unity and its success in November is under the banner of Trump. Yeah, fuck McCain, too. I spoke with the Democratic nominee for governor here in the state of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, and she disagrees with this philosophy of running to Trump in November as the ticket to win. One-third of registered voters in the state are independents, and Hobbs believes by catering to them, talking to them directly, is a way to win in this battleground state. Jake. All right, Kyung La, thank you so much. Let's bring in our panel. And, Brendan, let me start with you, because if Arizona's election-denying Republican gubernatorial candidate, Kerry Lake, and the Republican Secretary of State candidate, if they had held office in 2020, they say they would have decertified the results and overturned the election in favor of Trump, even though that's not how the voters of Arizona voted. And in fact, according to a Washington Post analysis, quote, across the battleground states that decide the 2020 vote, candidates who deny the legitimacy of that election have claimed nearly two-thirds of GOP nominations for state and federal offices with authority over uh, over elections. You're a Republican who Hi, supports Bobby. democracy and election results. Um, hey. How do you respond? This hey. has always been the hey. biggest threat. Yeah, we talked about the voting laws in Georgia and Texas. Law. This has always been people who are actually in charge who have to sign off on elections and are, are election deniers. But that's the big problem. And you're in a situation here where you would think that in a general election, maybe you would temper some of this. And maybe you were just trying to get through a primary. But it's clearly these people truly believe this stuff. And that's what's scary about it. Uh, and some of the Democrats uh, have been accused of playing with fire by supporting these more extremist Republican candidates, what? hoping that will give them uh, a leg up. We saw that play out uh, in Michigan with Congressman Peter Meyer. Uh, what do you think? Can the Democrats say that this is actually an existential threat to the country, but we're going to play cute with it by nominating, by helping to nominate some of these election-denying Republicans? Yeah, I think it's quite what dangerous because fuck? it's not just what happens in 2022. They're laying the foundation for the next presidential election in 24 because these people, if they win, they will be the ones that have to decide whether or not to certify the next election. So we are in an existential crisis. We cannot allow people who will break the law, who will lie, who believe a lot, the big lie, um, to to be elected. And I, I don't, don't think, believe it. I think Democrats could win even if they were, had moderates that they were running against um, in the Republican Party. And Francesca, the Washington Post is also reporting that a group of lawyers aligned with Trump led a team of computer experts to obtain data 
from election software as part of a broad, organized, multi-state uh, effort. This is after the 2020 election. You covered Trump. Are you surprised by how well organized some of this was? Well, we know that uh, after the election that they were in many of these states trying to do what the Washington Post described there. And we also know that that Republicans have been trying to get in their own people in some of these states following that election because they do think they could be decided at that that level in the, the 2024 election. And this is why uh, those groups have been so focused on getting a Republican attorney general that will be able to uh, take it to the courts after the election, if uh, not just in 2022, but in 2024, potentially also if they don't get the result that they want. So, Casey, you were in uh, Wyoming a couple weeks ago. I was there last week, although for fun, <laughs> for fun not for I'm work. I'm jealous of your trip. Um, so, but, but Liz Cheney, obviously, is running for re-election, and she is facing a very strong challenge uh, from a Republican named uh, Harriet Hageman. A University of Wyoming poll found Cheney trailing by nearly 30 points last, <laughs> last, uh, last week, 30 points. CNN has reported that Cheney's obviously looking ahead to 2024, potentially. Yeah. Um, is there enough appetite, you think, for an anti-Trump Republican presidential candidate, uh, more so perhaps than, than one in Wyoming for Congress? I think it's a really tricky path forward for Liz Cheney. I think that they're very aware that she's unlikely to win uh, next Tuesday, but I think that they're basically, I mean, she, she, I think she deeply believes that it is actually worth what, what has happened. It is worth losing her seat and that that is what makes her different from so many other Republicans awesome, in the Trump man. era who just were not willing actually to potentially give up their own hater, power in service anyway. to a greater good being the country and, and democracy. And uh, you know, so I think she's really taking politics. a stand on that. I mean, when I was out there, I heard her talk to voters about it. It wasn't just in interviews with the national media. It was what she was saying to her constituents there on the ground. But you know, it's a tough path forward. I mean, as you know, and I think everyone at this table knows, running in the Republican primary on a Liz Cheney mm. platform it's a really tough sell. And, and on that subject, I think there were a lot of Republicans who didn't support Trump, but were hopeful that they could have the Trump policies in an aggressive candidate in Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. But DeSantis uh, is disappointing a lot of those Republicans because he is on stage with all of these election deniers, supporting them as much as he can. Carrie Lake uh, and Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, he's doing an event with him too as well. Uh, it is, yeah, it, it is the Trump party. Whether you have Trump or not, they're all imitating how he did. It's, it's the lesson that they learned from him is that you don't need to appeal to the middle anymore. If you turn out base Republicans, you play to the base every step of the way, there's a path to victory. I think that's very short-sighted. I don't think that's a good long-term play, but it's what every Republican across uh, the country is, is trying to emulate. Yeah, and now, plus, is there a path for Liz Cheney to broaden us uh, back out to a Traditional Hold Trump accountable party. for I January sixth. So, I, I, I don't know. Everybody's I, I really going to be is there kissing his ass. Everybody's kissing his ass. If Donald Trump runs, and they're going to win the races, maybe. That showed that now fifty-eight percent of Republican voters said that they would back Trump, and this is after the FBI search. Well, yes, numbers actually, went up. That, yeah. yeah, his numbers actually went up, and Trump World says, "See, we're consolidating support," and it went up at the expense of Ron DeSantis, who went down by five percent in that particular poll. So Republican strategists are telling me that they see that the pathway is actually narrowing for Ron DeSantis or anybody else after that. Do you see the Democrats meeting this moment in terms of they're trying to appeal to these voters in the, the middle, to trying to appeal to disillusioned Republicans, such as my friend here to my right? I mean, <laughs> or, or, or do you think Democrats are struggling with that? I, I think they have to do a better job. You probably saw there was a memo that came out from the White House that they were going to go on a messaging tour. They have to talk to the entire base, not just black and brown voters, which they need to excite and they need to turn out because they will not win if people my age and younger 
and of color voters stay home. That is very clear. But they also have platforms that can, or policies that they can go to talk to suburban um, white moms, to talk to the rural farmer, and not just say that we're doing something for you, but if you pick somebody else, they're not going to do anything for you. We are trying and we need to expand our margins. I don't think that they have landed the plane just yet on the messaging, but they do still have some time. Do you, do you agree? Uh, you, you know, I think the challenge uh, for Democrats here, I mean, one of the things that I think is on the flip side of, of what's happened over the past week in terms of Trump, I mean, it's put Trump front and center again. Yeah. It's earned. I mean, that's good for Democrats, no matter which way you slice it. I, think? I, I, I do think that that's certainly Democratic strategists I talk to would love for the midterms to be about Trump. And now they also have a bunch of policies that they can also sell on top of it. Once you might actually have a chance where it's going to be a bit of a choice. Yeah. You have between the January 6th hearings that are reminding people of what Donald Trump did, you have candidates across the country who are crazy, kooky, um, and, and reminding people that the Republicans are not the same party they used to be. And so I think that's where Democrats have a chance to actually have a choice election, which is what everybody always tries to have in midterms, but can never pull off. Can all you right. throw abortion in there? And it just lights the Democratic yeah. base up. I guess we'll see. Thanks, one and all. And it is great, really great, to be back after two weeks of vacation with my family, which was amazing. I want to send a huge thanks to Charles Blow, Mehdi Hassan, Alicia Menendez for filling in for me for a while I was away. Uh, it, you know, it's August, first two weeks, you think that'll be slow? Turned out to be a oh, ludicrously eventful two weeks of news. And that has not slowed down today. Uh, we have lots going on. We got more developments in the criminal investigations, plural, into Donald Trump and his associates, including his former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who is now a target of the criminal probe into alleged election interference in Georgia, which we will have more uh -huh. on later this hour. But I got to begin tonight, of course, uh, with the aftershocks of the FBI search of the ex-president's Florida residence last week. Now, I have been watching this from a distance. How not really, uh, as Donald Trump and his allies have desperately attempted to spin this story. I mean, you know, the headline normally is like FBI searches, uh, you know, politician. That's bad for the politician, right? Not good for the person in public life that the FBI is searching. But they have just been frantically cycling through excuses to try to turn this on his head, trying to come up with some explanation for why Trump had 11 sets of classified documents, including some of the very highest level top secret in his home at Mar-a-Lago. They have abandoned, however, each excuse almost as soon as they put it out because they have all been so implausible. The first line they tried was, as you might remember, attacking the Department of Justice and the FBI, accusing them being agents of a rogue regime, executing a wildly reckless search for political retribution. Even though the people overseeing this investigation are uh, someone I like to call the world's most cautious man, Attorney General Merrick Garland, and Trump FBI Director Christopher Wray, the guy that Trump appointed after he fired James Comey. Trump and his backers even went so far as to suggest the FBI planted documents in Mar-a-Lago. Last Wednesday, in one of his weird fake tweets, Trump wrote the FBI would not let anyone, including my lawyers, be anywhere near the areas that were rummaged. They wanted to be left alone without any witnesses to see what they were doing, taking or hopefully not Republicans and Fox News also fired up the propaganda machine, repeating that bogus conspiracy theory over and over. No, the boxes of material 
they took from Mar-a-Lago that they won't put things in those boxes to entrap him. Yeah. How do we know that they're going to be honest with us about what's actually in the boxes? How do we know that was in the box before it left the residence? What the FBI is probably doing is planning evidence, which is what they did during the Russia hoax. We also have a hunch they doctored evidence to get the warrant. Quite honestly, I'm concerned that they may have planted something. You know, at this point, who knows? I don't trust the government. Now, by Thursday, Trump TV had apparently realized that was a little bit of a tough sell. Which is not to say, you know, you should just take the word of law enforcement, but the FBI agents planting evidence in Mar-a-Lago. So they trotted out a new defense. He just didn't realize what the hubbub was. He just wanted to take home some souvenirs. <laughs> you know, Trump's a memento guy. We've seen inside his office. Up, whatever. On Friday, they tried to shift focus onto one of their favorite boogeymen, of course, President Obama. What about his documents? In another one of his, again, weird fake tweets, Trump wrote, quote, President Barack Hussein Obama kept 33 million pages of documents, much of them classified. That's just a lie. It's, there's no truth to it. And the National Archives, who know about this, of course, swiftly responded almost immediately, explaining mm -hmm. no, no, wrong. Quote, they assumed exclusive legal and physical custody of Obama presidential records when President Barack Obama left office in 2017 in accordance with the Presidential Records Act. Fucking that, another course, the lie. Law, the things, and that is how justice. it's to work when you follow the law. All right, so that one fell apart. from President Trump's office to entrap him. Yeah, how do we know that they're going to be honest with us about what's actually in the box? How do we know that was in the box before it left the residence? What the FBI is probably doing is planning evidence, which is what they did during the Russia hoax. We also have a hunch they doctored evidence to get the warrant. Quite honestly, I'm concerned that they may have planted something. You know, at this point, who knows? I don't trust the government. Now, by Thursday, Trump TV had apparently realized that was a little bit of a tough sell. Which is not to say, you know, you should just take the word of law enforcement, but the FBI agents planting evidence in Mar-a-Lago. So they trotted out a new defense. He just didn't realize what the hubbub was. He just wanted to take home some souvenirs. You know, Trump's a memento guy. We've seen inside his office is a lot of clutter. Memorabilia. Huh. Trump's team thought they'd give him everything they asked for. But the next thing you know, 30 guys show up with guns and want to look in Melania's closet. What changed? Just a simple misunderstanding. Like, oh, we thought we got to all of it, but we didn't get to all of it. Like, yeah, it's classified stuff, whatever. On Friday, they tried to shift focus onto one of their favorite boogeymen, of course, President Obama. One of his, again, weird fake tweets, Trump wrote, quote, President Barack Hussein Obama kept 33 million pages of documents, much of them classified. That's just a lie. It's, there's no truth to it. And the National Archives who know about this, of course, swiftly responded almost immediately, explaining no, no, wrong. Quote, they assumed exclusive legal and physical custody of Obama presidential records when President Barack Obama left office in 2017 in accordance with the Presidential Records Act. 
That, of course, is the law that guides you things, and that is how it is supposed to work when you follow the law. All right, so that one fell apart. Kept going. Trump moved on to the next one, insisting he had waved his magic wand, okay, and, and, and through a sort of incantation, a mystical transubstantiation, declassified all the documents Mar-a-Lago. And of course, one of his allies, again, took to Fox News to spread the new line. This is from President Trump's office. Uh, it just came in a few minutes ago. As we can all relate to everyone, to, as, as we can all relate to, everyone ends up having to bring home their work from time to time. American presidents are no different. President Trump, in order to prepare the work the next day, often took documents, including classified documents, to the residents. He had a standing order, there's the word I've been looking for, that documents removed from the Oval Office and taken to the residents were deemed to be declassified. Everything the seems to make it into the headlines these days, except for this. Standing order. Did you say standing order? And that's law. And reporting on what Fox? Well, first of all, before you get to that, the very idea that Trump was just like so diligent, so studious, was the end of a long work day, got to go back to residence, got to take this big pile of documents with me, do my homework at night, my reading glasses on. You can't read. It doesn't work that way, okay? Trump's national security advisor, John Bolton. What about him trying to sell the, sell our secrets to Russia? It is, he said, to sell this shit? Almost certainly a lie. I was never briefed on any such order, procedure, policy when I came in, Bolton said, adding that he never been told it while he was working there and had never heard of such a thing after. That seems pretty comprehensive. So, over the weekend, Trump world moved on to probably my favorite excuse of all. Uh, that he was so convinced that his frontal assault on the American experiment, that is his coup on January 6th, would be successful, that he would remain in power against the will of voters, he didn't begin packing until the last minute. Huh. Former aide tells Wall Street Journal, quote, if you only start packing with two days left to go, you're just running low on time. And if he's the one just throwing things in boxes, you know, what could happen? <laughs> this is my personal favorite because it conjures the image of like a forlorn, wistful Donald Trump stuffing his possessions into a black trash bag like a college freshman on a move-out day with an hour to go before he has to be out of the dorm. Ludicrous. Ludicrous. But probably also their best one, because it's at least plausible, right? Donald Trump obviously won't attend on things. so often has in these other situations that he would manage to wriggle out from accountability, right? That he would stay in office. So I guess it could have just been really sloppy packing. <laughs> but we all know it was not. This remarkable reporting from the New York Times in detail lays out the incredible efforts over a long period of time the federal government has been going through to bring back everything that Donald Trump took in contravention of the law. This spring, the DOJ sent him a subpoena for documents, some of which, as a might say, he wanted to keep holding on to. Again, weird, but okay, keep going. In June, the top counterintelligence official in the Department of, Just Department of Justice went to Mar-a-Lago to try to resolve the dispute. <laughs> the Times reports the team left additional material for classified. This is new stuff they hadn't got before, and around that time also obtained, get this, the written declaration from a Trump lawyer attesting that all the material marked classified in the boxes had been turned over. As the time points out, the existence of that signed declaration could help explain why a potential violation of a criminal statute related to obstruction was cited by the department as one basis for seeking a warrant. 
DOJ also subpoenaed surveillance footage from Mar-a-Lago recorded over a six-day period, including views from outside the storage room, which showed that after one instance in which Justice Department officials were in contact with Mr. Trump's team, boxes were moved in and out of the room. Uh. So, they were forced <laughs> to issue 